It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Dolade, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. we got a great Friday edition of the Tom Sumner program in store. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, Professor of American Film and History at the University of Manchester about his uh, book that just came out in paperback about Robert Riskin, The Life and Times of a Hollywood Screenwriter. And you may not recognize that name, but he wrote uh, some of the screenplays for Frank Capra and uh, many others in the golden age of Hollywood. We'll talk all about that coming up. In the middle of our three-hour tour, uh, in the second hour, we're going to talk about, well, with the author of a debut novel. It has a summer sequel on the way, but it's a a Christmas story that promises to be a feel-good coming-of-age story set in small-town America. Uh, called A Gift Most Rare by Tom 
linebacker, and he'll join me during the second hour of the show. But first, we're going to talk with a Michiganian you should know. <laughs> um, uh, actually, it's a little bit of a play on words. Uh, my, my guest this hour has been on the show uh, several times. He's written, this is his sixth book. He is uh, should be well-known to uh, listeners of, of this show, anybody in the area, really, um, as an award-winning uh, an Emmy Award-winning producer, television news anchor, writer, radio personality, and author. He's been telling his stories for decades on radio, television, and in his book. His sixth book is out now called Michiganians You Should Know, Plus Some You Do and Don't Know Why, by Michael J. Thorpe, who joins me by phone. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hey, it's good to see you this morning. <laughs> I, it's kind of a, when you hear stuff, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is me. <laughs> but there's one other thing that I am, Tom. I'm I'm a grandpa. Well, probably my probably my greatest uh, reward. <laughs> I, I understand that being one myself. I I, uh, <laughs> I know the joys of being a grandparent. Um, yeah. I also know the joys of being a Michiganian, and and one of the things about all of your books. Michael, is that they focus on Michigan, on trivia, on history, on uh, sites. Um, why, why so many books about Michigan? Is there just that much to tell? And there's and much more. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, I'm a historian. You know, I mean, I, I'm a broadcaster, but... But my, my avocation is, is, you know, history. I've always been interested. You know, I've studied World War II and the Revolution, the Civil War. But sometimes when you bring it down to the, the you know, the, the micro level, when you get to the states, and Michigan is a fascinating state. We, uh, we were once upon a time considered the far west, you know, the champions of the west and all that. We were, we were uh, the, the wilderness west. And uh, the my books are about the people and the places in Michigan that, that just are, are different than, than anywhere else. And, and, and it basically, I think in some ways, started many years ago when I used to do, when I was working in radio for all those years. And we'd come up with Michigan Week every summer. You remember those? Oh, yeah. Michigan, you know, the state would have these Michigan Weeks, and, and, and you know, when I was a program director or whatever, I, I decided we needed to do something with Michigan. So I would start putting together some Michigan trivia. You know, just kind of gathering it. And whenever I traveled, and I worked at advertising agencies, and, and I did football and, ba uh, and basketball play-by-play, -play, so I traveled all over the state. But I'd go have, you know, breakfast someplace. I remember specifically being in Escanaba. And one morning I was at breakfast, and I, I looked at the place map, and it had all these little facts about Escanaba. <laughs> I, I brushed all the, the toast clippings off there, you know, and I folded it up and put it in my pocket. And I've done that for years. Whenever I find some fascinating information, I bring it home and I put it in my little box. And I, I probably told you the story before, but my first book, The Great Great Lakes Trivia Test, um, came because my wife I said, what, what are you going to do with that box? <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was a box full of all these little things. And I thought, well, uh, okay, I, I wrote a book. And, and I had so much stuff, I wrote a second book, The Even Greater Great Lakes Trivia Test. And then over the years, and, and I've told people, the Michiganians you should know, that book started in earnest about 20 years ago when I was sitting at the anchor desk at ABC 12 with Karen Gatlin. I was a co-anchor of the morning news, 
and we were reporting on the sentencing of Kwame Kilpatrick, you know, the former mayor of Detroit. And basically it was uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, the former mayor of Detroit, was sentenced today at the Frank Murphy Hall of Justice. And I read the story, and I remember thinking in the back of my head, as only you can do if you're on TV looking at a camera and reading a story, I was thinking, who the hell is Frank Murphy? And what did he (laughs) ever do to get associated with all these lowlifes? And I don't mean necessarily just, you know, Kwame Kilpatrick, but there's always a new story uh, about somebody being sentenced at the Frank Murphy Hall of Justice. It's the largest courthouse in the state of Michigan, one of the largest in the country. So let me ask you, do you know who uh, Frank Murphy is? Uh, my my best guess is a former Detroit mayor. <laughs> You're right. Part, you know, that, but, that's, but that's only part of the story. Let me give you a quick thumbnail. But, but I've read Murphy. things about him over the years. That's the only reason I even had a, a reasonably informed guess. I don't know anything yeah, well, else about him. Well, you know, he's one of those people that you, 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 you know, and maybe you know, but you don't know why, right? Right. Well, Frank Murphy, born in uh, Harbor Beach in some, and he ends up uh, going to University of Michigan Law School, becomes an attorney in Moose, Detroit, like you said. He becomes uh, a, a, a defense attorney and, and then later a recorder's court judge. And then, as you noted, he became mayor of Detroit. And then later, he was appointed by FDR as the last governor general of the Philippines. The first governor oh, general, really? by the way, was, was a guy named William Howard Taft. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not, I, this is not just a, an out-there job. This is a, an important job at that time. He comes back, and he runs for governor of Michigan. And uh, Governor Frank Murphy is the governor that called out the um, National Guard during the great sit-down strike here uh-huh. in Flint in 1936-37. He called out the National Guard, and he put them down in the hole at the Chevrolet plant. And he told, the company thought that he, were gonna, he was going to clear the, uh, the plants, right? Right. But what he told them, he told them to negotiate. And so basically because of, of Governor Murphy, uh, you know, the uh, companies were forced to negotiate with the UAW, and it became a recognized union. But wait, there's more. <laughs> he, he's then called to Washington, D.C. Well, let me start by saying he was, not, he was not reelected as governor, not surprisingly, because all the auto companies were doing everything to get him out of office. FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, called him to Washington to become the Attorney General of the United States in 1940. Wow. So he's the, attorney, he's the Attorney General of the U.S., and then within a year, a year and a half, he was appointed an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. So Frank Murphy, Justice Frank Murphy from Michigan, <laughs> um, was, was served in many capacities. But here's the thing that really struck me. He died when he was 59 years old. Wow. That's a lot of life. Yeah, it is. 59 years. Yeah, um, it is. So, so you know, th- it, it, when, I, when you start looking at a, a name like that, you know, like, like Frank Murphy, and we, we know the name everywhere, but we don't know why, he deserves to be remembered. So I started writing this book. And um, I started, you know, uh, writing down other names. I, you, you remember my, let me, let me give you a, a trivia question. This is one of my new trivia questions. If I do a, a, another trivia test book, which I probably won't, I don't know if I have the energy. So here's, here's a trivia test for you, Tom. Are you ready? Yes. What, what two things do these four names have in common? Bert, Mullet, Houghton, and Higgins. They're names of lakes. Yes. 
and that's all I got. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because those four men were all um, surveyors. They are the four men who surveyed, for the most part, all of Michigan. Beyond that, so you so you you got uh, you know uh, Mullet and Burt Houghton, they're all surveyors. Uh, Higgins um, and uh, Douglas Houghton. Here's another one, fascinating character. We know about Houghton Lake, Houghton, Michigan. Sure, uh, there's a Houghton County. Um, but you know, I think most people understood he was a surveyor, but he was also a geologist, a geographer, and a doctor. He was a physician. He was also one of the founders of the University of Michigan. And, and, and was, going, was uh, once upon a time the president of the University of Michigan. But wait, something more about him that's kind of fascinating. Mr. Houghton was, uh, was an explorer of Michigan as well. And, and he traveled all over the states seeking out um, uh, Native Americans to meet, new plants, new minerals, that kind of thing. Um, and while he was on one of his trips one time, his friends in Detroit nominated him for mayor of Detroit. He didn't even know he had been nominated when he was elected. <laughs> he was elected mayor of Detroit uh, without his own, without his knowledge. He came home to find that he was <laughs> the mayor of Detroit. It almost happened again with him. I say almost because, unfortunately, um, uh, Douglas Houghton passed away uh, when he was uh, like 38 years old in a terrible accident up on the, the, the shores of Lake Michigan, where he was drowned in a in a in a terrible storm. But at that time. He was also, there were plans in Detroit for him to be um, nominated to be the governor of Michigan, and he went, might not have known about that either. So there's, there's another one of those stories of people that you've heard of, but you don't know exactly why. This guy, this guy was one of the most amazing Michiganians ever. I'm talking with Michael J. Thorpe, author of a new book uh, called Michiganians You Should Know, plus some you do and don't know why. Um, and, you know, when I first saw the title of that book, Michael, I, I thought of a field trip that I took when I was in elementary school in Flint. And we used to um, do this. We went to Glenwood Cemetery. Mm -hmm. And going through Glenwood Cemetery, it was like street name after street name after street name. And, and I, for some reason, I thought of that when, when I read the title, Michiganians You Should Know plus some you do and don't know why. Um, because there are these names that are familiar to us, and, and we don't know as much about them as maybe we should or might like to, as uh, can be found in this book. Now, Michael, I want to talk about some more of the stories uh, in this book, but I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? I think I can wait, I can wait with you for a minute, sure. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Um, if you're listening to uh, the show on WFOV 92.1 LPFM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House, Spectacle Productions, and my good friend, um, Paul Herring, and uh, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and then we'll be back to talk with uh, a Michiganian you should know about his book, Michiganians You Should Know, Michael J. Thorpe. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse, we'll be right back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
from Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about Michiganians You Should Know with broadcaster, uh, historian, author, and storyteller Michael J. Thorpe, who joins me by phone. Michael, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. And sorry to make you sit through all that. Uh, hey, I, you know, I've, I've spent a number of decades working radio and TV, so I, I know about the importance of commercials. No, no, no problem at all. <laughs> hey, you know, when you, we, before we went to the break, you talked about going on that trip, and I'm a Flint kid, too. Um, and, we, yeah. you know, we, they take us on that bus trip, and we'd go around and check out Harriet Street, and they'd tell us that that was one of Jacob Smith's uh, daughters. And, and I remember growing up and seeing Coltman Boulevard. Do you remember Coltman Boulevard? I do. I do. Okay, well, Col- Coltman Boulevard. Now, that's the only thing that I ever noticed about that. And I, I decided, who, who, who is Coltman? What, what is this about? So as I'm writing this book, I started looking up Lloyd G. Coltman. Well, Lloyd Coltman is, is, is another fascinating Michiganian. He was from Flint, um, and, and he, was, he was an inventor. As a matter of fact, um, he was second only to Thomas Edison in patents for his inventions. Uh, he invented, uh, he, he told his grandson once that he couldn't walk into a hardware store anywhere in the country and not see some of the products that he invented, including things like the electric stove. He invented the electric stove. Really? He invented the, 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 the uh, self, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the um, automatic toaster. And actually, it was his wife's idea. He just invented it, and he gave her the patent. I, you know, when you go to a hotel room, and they have that little that line in the bathroom where you can uh, put, pull the line across and put your, your clothes on it and dry them out. Yeah. He invented that as well. <laughs> he invented all of these things. And, and uh, it, I mean, he, just, he never, ever quit. He was a fascinating character. But there's even more here that's kind of interesting about him because one of his daughters um, uh, got married uh, and, and ended up living in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, and uh, his daughter named a guy named Ronstadt. His granddaughter is Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> really? Yes. Who, All who, from Flint. who is the Academy Award-winning actress from Saginaw? Marie Dressler. Marie Dressler is, is a, another. Now, you know, she was a, a big name uh, back in the 20s and 30s. She was a big vaudeville uh, star, actually, uh, in, in some ways. Uh, she, was, um, uh, she was a singer and a comedian. Uh, she was uh, famous for both her the, the talkies and the silent movies. She was on Broadway. She was a founder of the Actors' Equity Chorus Association and its first president. I mean, she, she was involved in everything uh, and, and uh, uh, won an Academy Award and actually was nominated for Best Actress two years in a row. But one of the things that struck me about her, which I found fascinating, was Marie Dressler was a big woman, right? She, was very, she did physical comedy. And, and she hired a trainer to keep her at the steady, constant, svelte weight of 200 pounds. <laughs> she needed to be able to bounce around on the stage, and they kept her at 200 pounds. Wow. 
I, you know, and, and of course, you know, I'm giving you real small thumbnails. I, I, you know, I have a lot more about these people. Oh, of course, uh, in, I'm, in, in, in the book. And I can't help wondering how did how did you spend your quarantine? <laughs> well, you know, and that really is the story behind the story. So a year ago, it was a year ago. Well, a year ago last March, uh, you know, I, I had had this idea about this book for years, but I, I really never thought I was going to write it. You know, I mean, as, as my friend Dale Myers always said, it's hard, the hardest part is picking up the ten thousand pound pen, and I, <laughs> I just wasn't going to do it. But then it's March, and my wife, who worked in Ann Arbor, was sent home. You know, and she worked here, and she's still working out of our house. So she sat down at the kitchen table, and all of a sudden, I kind of had to be a little quiet, right? I, I, and I was a lot more limited in what I could do around here. And so I sat around the corner at the dining room table, and I thought, well, maybe I should look at this a little bit. And I started looking at it, and pretty soon I started writing it. And uh, throughout that year, uh, I spent to all of 2020 six, seven hours a day, pounding out these stories and kind of pulling all, I've been collecting information, right? But I, I was pulling it all together, and, and that's what I did for the pandemic. This is my pandemic book in, in some ways. Well, <laughs> I wanted to ask you that because I've talked to a lot of writers over the last year or so, and I'm surprised at the number of successful authors, New York Times bestsellers, who say, you know, I wish I'd have used that time to be productive, but I was just like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> and, and I think well, a lot I, of people I, I, were, Michael. And and so kudos to you for, uh, you know, taking advantage and being productive during uh, during that time. Well, if people keep on asking me, you, you, you got another one. You know, I've I've got all kinds of names and uh, of things that I had didn't get a chance to put in this book. Will I ever write another book? <laughs> I. That ten thousand pound pen feels like a twenty thousand pound pen right now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 it, it's the hardest thing. And, and Dale was right. You know, he said it, it's the, that's the hardest part, lifting that pen. Uh, once you get started, you know, it's a whole different thing. But forcing yourself because it's not my job, right? You know, if you're if you're working at a radio station or a marketing agency and you're supposed to be writing a, a report, you got to write that. I didn't have to write this. <laughs> right. I had I had to find something to do. Them. Well, somebody asked Stephen King once if he wrote to a muse or to a schedule, and he said always to the muse. But fortunately, the muse shows up every morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> once one of the tricks I've always used is, is you just you just got to start. Yeah, you know, whether, once whether, you pick up the pen the first day, uh, are you pretty disciplined, Michael? Can you can you get up every day and and pick up where you left off? Yeah, yeah. Fairly, fairly well. And, of course, you know, keeping in mind during the pandemic, there was literally nothing else I could do. <laughs> there was no place to go. I mean, I, if I wanted to, I couldn't go out drinking with my buddies. I, I, you know, we, we, we weren't making movies. There was nothing to do. There was no place to go. You were supposed to stay home. And, and uh, I, 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 I like to read, as you can imagine. But you can only read for so long. Hey, Michael, I wanted to mention, um, so listeners will know, that you're going to be, um, you have a book event coming up, is it this weekend, yeah. Ab about it's, this uh, book, um, in Flint, at, uh, is it, am I right, it's at it's, Totem? It's at Totem Book, 
on Court Street in Flint. Yes, it's tomorrow, Saturday, uh, from 11 until 2. It's right across from the White Horse there on Court Street. Uh, it's really a cool place. They have lots of you know used books and, and that, but uh, it's kind of uh, become Flint's uh, bookshop. So I'm going to go and sign, and I'll have copies of all of my books uh, there, but obviously I'll have a lot more of the Michiganians. Um, and and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see if people actually get out. It's a perfect time for a, you know, a, a last-minute Christmas gift. Grab that one. I can sign it for them individually and you know, send it off to Bob or whatever you need. There you go. Well, well, yeah, you're looking for a stocking stuffer. I can be a stocking stuffer for you. <laughs> well, Michael J. Thorpe's Michiganians You Should Know Plus Some You Do and Don't Know Why. Um, how did you come up with that title? Just just the whole notion of, uh, you know, the the story you told about Frank Murphy Hall. You know the name and maybe a little bit about him, but but just wondered why his name stands out above any others. Well... You know, you know I, let me let me go through a few other names here just to give you a, a, a yeah, sense. Sure, um, you've heard you've heard of Woodward Avenue, of right? course, named for the first Chief Justice of the Michigan Supreme Court, Augustus Woodward. And the story that got me interested in in uh, 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 Justice Woodward was was um, the story about how Woodward got its name. He named it, by the way. <laughs> He's the guy that laid out Detroit after the great fire down there destroyed everything. He laid out the, the, the streets of Detroit. He named Woodward, and they asked him why he named it after himself. He said, I didn't. I named it Woodward because it was going towards the woods. He <laughs> said that truthfully. So th- there's one. Um, you know, Fred Bear. You've heard of Fred Bear, right? Well, yeah. The father of the, fo- father of the bow hunting season. Most people don't realize that we really didn't have a bow season until Fred Bear invented it, basically. Um, Gerber, you've heard of the Gerber Company. Sure. But did you, well, Daniel Gerber, um, who is that, whose father started this canning business, um, he, he started this company because he had a sick baby. Um, I, I got also, you know, obviously people like uh, uh, Werner, James Werner, you probably know about him. Uh, he accidentally invented Werner's uh, ginger ale. Um, and then there's Ben and Perry fighting. Now, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to back up. We got to dig in on that a little bit more. What are you trying to invent when you accidentally invent ginger ale? Well, he wasn't quite sure. Here's the, it's a Civil War era. It's a Civil War era, and actually, uh, Werner uh, was a pharmacist. He was actually the first licensed pharmacist in the state of Michigan. He had license number one. So you got to know that he was Dr. Werner. Um, and he, uh, one of the things about his pharmacies, though, is he started serving these fizz drinks, pop, right? They called them fizz drinks back then. Yeah. Um, he, well, he was trying to work on some kind of a drink, and he loaded his syrup into these oak barrels, and then he joined the Army in the Civil War. And he's gone for three years. And while he's gone, and this is the true story, while he's gone, these barrel, the, the syrup is in the barrels, these oak barrels, for all that time in the basement of his old pharmacy in Detroit. So, so when he gets back, he has this stuff, and he starts, you know, experimenting with it a little bit, and he finds it's pretty good stuff. It was Werner's ginger ale, and it was accidentally that he accidentally came up with that because he went to war for three years. Now, can't get much bigger accident than that, huh? Now, that's that's 
not only funny but poignant because most of us uh, that you know have lived for a long time in Flint remember the Verner's mural over by Cupies, which is now Halo Burger. Right, it still exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's a bunch of these uh, little elves with barrels, and yes. so that kind of tells the significance of why of the, Verner's of are associated with barrels. Well, there's even more, Tom, because, uh, you know, that, uh, that Halo Burger or Cupies uh, was originally a Verner's shop. <laughs> that, that, that was built uh, for, that, for that purpose. There's another story. You know, Michigan's fa- uh, famous for, like, for instance, pizzas, right? We have two famous families, uh, uh, you know, Little Caesars with the Illiches, and uh, uh, what's the other one? Domino's. Domino's. So we got that one. We've all, we're also uh, pop people. And actually, we're pop people, and we're the only people in the country that call it pop. And that is because of two guys, bakers, <clears throat> by the name of Ben and Perry Faginson. Now, you know, this is a fun story. Ben and Perry Faginson were brothers who were bakers in Russia. And they, they came to America to be bakers. And one ends up in Cleveland, where he works for a bottling company, and the other one ends up in Detroit, where he's also working at different bottling companies. But they were bakers, and they, that, that's one of the things that they did. So anyway, the Faginson brothers started making um, their, their soda. But they found that their name, Faginson, didn't fit on the bottle. So they shortened it to Fago. <laughs> First off, it's Fago. Now... The second part is, we call Pop, Pop, because of the Faginson brothers, because they, at the time when they were, you couldn't seal pop bottles really well, so they would seal these pop bottles, and they'd turn them over so that they would be uh, resting on their caps, and the way you would know if the pop was, and see, I'm I'm pure Michigan, and I always call it Pop. Right. The soda. The way you'd know the soda was still good is if it made a pop. When you open the bottle, back in the olden days, in, uh, you know, in Detroit, when they were making this stuff, they actually delivered it like they used to deliver milk. They had uh, Fago distributors that would bring it to your door. But one of the reasons that I find fascinating about the Fago uh, brothers, they were bakers, and that is where they came up with their recipes. Their first pop was red pop, and you know that that flavor. That, 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 that it's different than any other red pop, right? Fago is different than anything else. It's because all their pops were based on their frosting recipes. Hmm. And now that, you, now, now that you hear that, you think, yeah. That no, no, that makes, yeah, it makes sense because it is sweeter and, and I always think of it as being more syrupy, but, but, that makes, <laughs> but that makes sense when you say it like that. You know something I saw the other day? That's that's an old thing, and not just in Michigan, but all over the country, was the old mail chute. And I, I see there's just now becoming a resurgence of that. There's a new system being installed that locks, that creates essentially the same thing as the old milk chute. Oh, yeah. But it's lockable, and it's all about having packages delivered to your house as a way to secure against porch pirates and that's <laughs> it's how it's a new be- use for an old technology exactly and and i uh 
and and I thought of those old milk shoots when I saw it being advertised recently. <laughs> it's fun to see well, those things come back. It, well, yeah, yes, it is, and, and, and the uses that they have for them. So, so you know, it, my, my 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 the book has got about fifty different people, uh, you know, in it, uh, that different Michigan characters, and and names that we're all familiar with. Edmund Fitzgerald. There's there's one. You know, yeah. I mean, we've all heard Edmund Fitzgerald, right? Who is he? How about uh, Daniel J. Morrell, which is uh, another fascinating ship uh, that, that went down in yeah. the Great Lakes. Wow. Um, you know, so there's, there's we know so more about the ships and the shipwrecks than the people the boats were named after. It, it, well, exactly. And then there's, here's one. I, I, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have left, but I've got to tell you this, this, this story here. Uh, being Flint kids, there is a guy <clears throat> that you have never heard of. But you should have. And his name was uh, uh, Kelly Johnson. Well, his real name was Clarence, but when he was a little kid, uh, kids teased him for his name <laughs> Clarence. So he changed it. He became Kelly Johnson. He's from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, but he grew up in Flint, went to Flint Central, and he went to Flint Junior College. And he was, um, well, he was an engineer, and he loved the idea of flight. And he spent his life working designing planes. And this guy, whose first education came at Flint Central and Flint Junior College, designed over 40 different planes, starting with a P-38 in World War II. The first working jet fighter of the United States, he designed the U-2, the AWACS, and so many other things. Kelly Johnson. And there's a, there was a list a few years ago made of the top 100 uh, uh, people in aeronautics. Number one and number two, the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur. Number nine was Neil Armstrong. Kelly Johnson was number eight of the greatest aeronautical uh, uh, pioneers in history. This wow. is how big of a character he was, and, and we don't know him. And here we are. I, I'm, I'm right at this moment. I'm less than a mile from where he went to, uh, uh, went to school. And, and uh, you, you'd think we would really know about this guy. He is... Uh, a member, uh, he's what a, a, a Mott, a distinguished alumni of, of a Mott Community College. But here he is, another Flint kid. Well, and and that's one of the things that's um, really fun about digging into some of these old stories. I, you know, and I have not to the degree that you have, but you know, it's always amazing to me. One of George W. Bush's uh, speechwriters uh, was a graduate of Flint Central High School. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, Nancy Reagan's chief of staff was a graduate of Flint Central High School. My mom <laughs> was a graduate of Flint Central High School. <laughs> well, and and my dad, and, and but it's, <laughs> but it's it's just we don't always know because people go off and do these these big things and don't realize um, how much Flint. And, and really Michigan, has influenced the rest of the world. Yeah, we can talk about cars and we can talk about the UAW, but there are all these other things, and that's one of the things that's so cool about your books, Michael. This new one, Michiganians You Should Know, plus some you do and don't know why, um, is, is a great way for people to really kind of reacquaint themselves with their own city and state and and maybe help build some pride because we certainly get enough bad news <laughs> ain't that the truth 
yeah, but that's my that's my idea, you know. And it, it, real historians would say, well, Mike, you should have written fifty books about all these people. They deserve their biographies, and I agree. But these are stories, you know. I'm telling my stories. This is my voice telling the stories. I'm not trying to be a historian. I'm I'm just telling stories about about these people. I found I found fascinating, and and uh, just wanted to get get some more stories um, out there. Um, you know, and that's that's the kind of fun part. And you know, there's one thing that you haven't mentioned to me, which it surprised me. And that is when I first started in the book is literally brand new. Uh, about a month ago, I first you know posted that it was that it was ready. And the first responses I got, I was I was so surprised, was that it's not Michiganians, it's Michiganders. And there's I, I a whole controversy about that, isn't? Wasn't Lincoln credited with being the first to use the phrase Michigander? Yes, yes. And and what I what I try to explain to people is that being called a Michigander is a put down. It's a slur on you because you're from <laughs> Michigan. And and and, uh, and so I I use Michiganians. Here's something else. Um, you know, different governors over the years have used. Michiganian and Michigander. Our current governor and Governor Snyder both said Michiganders, but you go back uh, uh, before that uh, to Granholm uh, and Angler, they, they used Michiganians. So wh- why is Michigander a put-down? Well, in, in, and you're right. It has to do with a politician named Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidential writers. He was just a wit and a great writer. He served one term in Congress. The only... He was he, just that one term in 1848, and they were uh, trying to do. He was he was against the Mexican American War, which was literally a land grab, and that's that's what the war was about. And at the same time, uh, Governor uh, uh, Senator Lewis Cass of Michigan was running for president, and and uh, he he was for the land grab. All right, they, they wouldn't have called it a land grab. They, they it, it, it was it, you know that's political stuff, right? So anyway, he's running for president, and Mr. Lincoln rises in the halls of Congress. And one of the ways that they're trying to sell uh, Senator Cass is by reminding people that in the War of 1812, he had been a general. They called him General Cass. And, uh, and, and uh, he often referred to himself as General Cass. That's what he liked to be called, General Cass. Um, and and uh, <laughs> it... it Lincoln rose in the halls of Congress and started making fun of people calling him General Cass because once upon a time he had been an administrator and had served food to some of his soldiers. He's 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 got these great generals and and, and he's just uh, overweight and I'm I'm paraphrasing some of the things he said. He's just the great the great Michigander, comparing <laughs> him to a goose. Right. And and it was it was a put down all the way through, um, but. Having said that, you know what else is also a put-down? Wolverines. Yes. When, during the, the Michigan, the Michigan-Ohio War, and you know there was a war, sort of. Um, right. And that's how we got the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and they got Toledo. And I said they can have it. That's, that's fine with me. Keep, keep hey, Toledo. <laughs> Michael, um, but, Michael, I'm... I'm brushing right up against another break and ah, I'll, I'll so give I'm going to have to buy my book to get the rest of that story that's right <laughs> that's right and they can do that um, coming up tomorrow michaeljthorpe.com or at the, at the, at the um, uh, bookstore Totem Books thanks Hi, Michael keep up the good work and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program 
While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. TomSumnerProgram.com
Tom, Haley, Alex, Alexis, help! And the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings to you wherever you are. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh,
Christmas, baby. Well, no, you sure did treat me nice. But I said, Merry Christmas, baby. Is 
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs> 